Well, God bless you all today on this special day. Yesterday, we would be remiss if we didn't say something about it. Also was a special day, June the 19th, put it together, Juneteenth. That's where we got the name. Juneteenth is a significant day, specifically for those of us in Texas. In 1865, on June 19th, a Union, yes, I repeat, a Union Major General, that's a two-star general, his name was Gordon Granger, sailed into Galveston and announced to those who had been in bondage and enslaved, he announced to them emancipation. That proclamation was made about two years prior, but didn't take root even here in Texas until about two years later. And so it became Juneteenth, first celebrated in 1865. You know now it's been declared to be the 12th national holiday. I think you may have differences of of opinion about that. Could I encourage you uh, to be careful about taking a stand on issues like that when there's a greater issue? Because even those who've been emancipated and freed from a kind of political bondage are still enslaved without the freedom with which they could be made free through Jesus Christ. So the Bible says if the Son sets you free, not the government, if the, not the legislature, uh, not the Emancipation Proclamation. No, no. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Uh, my fellow Christians, that's our message. Be careful about dividing over collateral messages that are not the real message at all. Anyway, it's a good thing that people treated as property have been accorded the dignity which is theirs by virtue of the fact that they're created in the image of God. Juneteenth, yesterday. And today is June 20th. I don't know if you knew that. It's Father's Day. So, folks, happy Father's Day 2021. Want to hear something interesting? I'll tell you. A Father's Day was a woman's idea of all things. Uh, her name was uh, Sonora Dodd. This is true. Most of what I'm telling you today is true. (laughs) Sonora Dodd lived out on the West Coast in Washington. She was in church on Mother's Day, and she decided on that occasion, dads deserve a day of recognition as well. It was her idea. Her uh, mom uh, passed away during childbirth, and it was her dad, Sonora Dodd's dad, who raised her and her siblings. She loved him and felt that he and all dads worthy of respect ought to be honored and respected on this particular day. And so she stirred up area churches to celebrate fathers. And so the first Father's Day, due to the efforts of Sonora Dodd, was celebrated in Spokane, Washington, of all places, in 1910. So happy Father's Day, dads. The Bible has a lot to say about fathers and fatherhood, and in some places it even speaks directly to dads. I found a specific verse of Scripture that is addressed particularly to dads. Here it is, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. It's in the New Testament. Paul wrote it to a group of believers at a place called Ephesus. Hence, it's called Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, we read, Fathers, so you see, this is directed specifically to dads. 
Don't provoke your children to anger. So when I read this, I thought, why is this specifically directed to dads? Don't moms have a tendency to do the same thing? Can't moms upset their kids? Yeah, they could. But I'm really wondering if this is more peculiarly a male malady. Dads, I wonder if we are inclined a little more even than women to upset our kids and get them exacerbated. And I thought about it. I think it's true. And this is how. We are prone, dads, I think, to emphasize rules rather than relationships. That's not an entirely bad thing. We dads believe we have to govern the household, control it, make sure everything is done in an orderly manner, and then every, everyone is operating according to legitimate restraints. So uh, rules and enforcing them comes much more easily to us as men, as dads, than relationship development does. And when a dad emphasizes rules as over against a relationship with kids, it makes the kids angry on the inside. Now, God is the perfect dad, the heavenly father, and he knows that our kids, you see, will be less likely to live by our values if they don't feel valued by us. This is the challenge for us, dads. You see, kids are going to have a hard time embracing our rules if they don't feel embraced by us. And I'm afraid that just doesn't come that easily for most of us as dads. We have power, the power of influence over our kids, and it could be used for good or for ill. In ancient days, in the Roman Empire, there was a law passed, and it was called patria potestas, which means uh, the power, fraternal power, or a, a father's power. And it extended almost without limit over a dad's family. Wife and children were his personal property. He could do with them what he chose. In fact, when a child was born, the child, as is depicted in this statue. The child was put at the dad's feet. If the dad walked away and left the newborn there, that meant the child, the newborn, was on his own. He could be slaughtered, he could be murdered, or he could be sold in auction. That was the father's right. The father could exert that much power. If, on the other hand, the the, uh, father was inclined to pick up the child, then the child would be brought home and raised by the dad. Folks, it is in that horrific setting that God gave us Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, and he essentially said, Christian dads, don't be influenced by the culture. No way. I have a much higher standard of fatherly behavior to which I want you uh, to live. I don't want you to provoke your kids to anger. Instead, I want you to work hard on developing the kind of relationship that assures them they're safe, And they are loved by you. So folks, rules are good things. But they cause our kids to be angry if, one, they are rules stated without relationship. And two, if they are rules stated but not lived by. Our kids can't process the inconsistency. So this philosophy, do as I say, not as I do, 
just won't get it done, Dad. It's not going to work. The hypocrisy of it all enrages our kids, holding them to a standard we ourselves are not living by. Well, that's the very thing that provokes our kids to anger. I had a dad. I'm certain he loved me. But I was confused about it at times because I know my dad wanted me uh, to be disciplined, to do good in life, to avoid doing bad things. And yet as I watched my dad's life lived out before me, he was an alcoholic, I saw a, a blatant absence of discipline no restraint. And my dad, we grew up kind of poor. My dad, to support us, was engaged in all kinds of bad criminal things. So that it caused confusion. It was inconsistent. My dad held me to a standard that he himself, it seems, was not willing to to live by. And the inconsistency of it all did some stuff on the inside it caused a kind of an emotional disarray. It's kind of like dads who drop their kids off to church and don't come in with them. It's like dads who want their kids to live according to certain Christian standards, and yet on the home front, they are not. It rattles the cages of kids. In fact, a study was done revealing that when the father in a household lived a consistently Christian life, there's a 75% likelihood that the kids will follow suit and become Christians. But if, on the other hand, it's only the mother who's living before children a consistently Christian life, then there's only a 15% likelihood that the kids will grow to be Christians. Why why is this? It's because kids are more likely to follow their dad's example than their dad's advice. That's just the way it is. Dads are, our kids are watching us all the time. We are there for better or for worse. We are their role models. And so long after they have forgotten what we have said, they will remember what we have done. In fact, uh, kids will remember only about, this is a little discouraging, only about 20% of what their dads tell them, but they'll remember just about 100% of what their dads did. So emphasizing rules over relationship and not living by our own rules, those are the things that make our kids angry. And we are told, dads, don't do that, but instead do something else. You can see what it is as we continue with Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. No, here's the alternative. But bring them up. Bring them up. Why does it say that? Because they can't get there without our help, dads. They can't bring themselves up. They can't make it. They can't overcome. They can't have victory in life without us. So the exhortation is given to us. Dads, bring your children up. In other words, this attitude is absolutely contrary to the Bible. The attitude that says, it's my job to make the living. It's her job to raise the kids. You can't find that in Scripture. It's not true. Uh, guys, if we birthed them, 
Bringing them up is our responsibility. I can't blame the school. I cannot blame the teacher. I can't blame the church nor the youth pastor if my kid is having trouble. I'm responsible for bringing my child up. And you know what does it? Well, it goes back to what we were alluding to earlier. It's relationship development. It's spending time with our kids. Because when we do so, it brings them up. It elevates them emotionally. Kids conclude, you see, if you don't spend time with me, you don't like me. Yeah. There was a man named Charles Francis Adams. He was a uh, notable political figure in the 19th century. Busy. He kept a diary of his daily activities, and one day he wrote in it, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. At the same time, his son, Brooke Adams, who also kept a diary, wrote this entry in it on that day, went fishing with my father today, the most wonderful day of my life. Ah. Can you see how important dad's time is with our kids? In his book, The Dad Difference, Josh McDowell indicates that amongst teenagers in church, only 2% uh, uh, say um, they spend uh, about two minutes a day with their dads. 25% say they haven't had a meaningful conversation with their dad ever. Those are church teenagers. What's happening, dads? We're dropping the ball. So let me make a practical suggestion. Let me encourage you to get good, fun, quality time with your kids. And while you do so, ask them questions like these. Here's a sample. Here's one. What's one thing I could pray for you this week? Don't make this difficult, dads. We could do this. Ask that question. What's one thing I could pray for you this week? Here's another. If you could be anything when you grow up, what would that be? The question is a statement. Uh, the statement is saying, I'm interested in you and your future. If you could be anything, what would it be? Here's another good question to ask. You have to make this happen. What's one thing I could work on that would make you feel even more loved? I love you, but how could I love you more? What's one thing you could tell me that I could do to assure you of my love even more. And this fourth one, this is my favorite. What's your favorite thing for us to do that doesn't involve spending money? <laughs> Let me encourage you dads, if you have the chance to spend time with your kids and ask questions like that. Because spending time together with kids, that's one way to bring them up. And let me suggest another. It's to discipline them. Again, let's look to our text, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. Look, in the discipline and instruction. Discipline is about teaching and enforcing good standards, good values, good boundaries. Children need boundaries. Boundaries set and enforced help our kids feel secure. So I mentioned things that provoke our kids to anger just to review. They are rules stated without relationship. 
They are rules stated but not lived by, and now they are rules stated but not enforced. Have you been in Walmart recently? Almost inevitably, you're there, and you hear a mom call out to her son or daughter, we're leaving now. Right now, put that down, we're leaving. And there's no response. So the mom repeats it. I'm telling you, I mean it, we're leaving right now. Still no response. The third time, the mom turns up the volume. She essentially says, we are leaving right now. If you don't come with us right now, I'm going to leave you here at Walmart. Well, folks, that's not true. If that was true, Walmart would be filled with abandoned kids. It just doesn't happen. So why say it? I mean, why say something you're not willing to enforce anyway? This is what happens when we declare our words and yet do not enforce them, then our kids devalue our words. That's bad, but this is worse. Uh, they may even then also devalue God's words. See? So if you state it, you have to be sure to enforce it. If you're not going to enforce it, don't state it. I had a, a sister. She was older than me. When she was a teenager, once she had a boyfriend come over to our house, and I think he enjoyed his time with me more than, more than with her. I'm just saying. She's not here to defend herself, but that was my observation. And so he and I, we used, we used to engage in food-eating contests. It was just fun. He was having more fun doing that than whatever she was doing with her. So one time, we had a, a, a fruit-eating contest. See, so you could eat the most fruit. Kind of harmless. Fruit's good for you. Well, my sister didn't think it was a good idea, so she started crying to my dad, big baby. And so... So my dad went over to my mom, whose name was Frida, and he said, Frida, that's it. No more fruit in this house. <laughs> so that was his approach to the problem. Let's get rid of fruit. So years later, I went off to college, and I came home uh, during vacation, and I went to the refrigerator from which I extracted something which looked strangely like an apple. So I brought it to my dad and said, Dad, I'm getting educated in college, and I learned this is a fruit. I thought we weren't going to have fruit anymore. Folks, what's the sense of making statements if you're not willing to enforce them? Kids are not going to take them seriously, but I want to tell you something. Kids actually value, look for, and expect the discipline of their dads. There was a dad who put his son to bed one night. And after about 10 minutes, the son called out, Dad, uh, I'm thirsty. Can you bring me some water? And the dad said, yes, I will this one time. Uh, but after you, I bring you the water, you need to go to sleep. Well, about 10 minutes later, the little boy cried out the same thing. Dad, uh, could I have some water? And the dad then, getting a little angry, said, look at here. Uh, uh, if you call out for water one more time, I'm going to come up and spank you. And the little boy said, uh, a few minutes later, hey, dad, when you come up to spank me, can you bring me some water? <laughs> so they, dad, they expect us to state and enforce the rules 
they're looking for discipline. There was a study done by educators, and they decided to remove a fence around the playground that little elementary kids occupied during school hours. They thought the fence was too restraining and too confining. And much to their surprise when they did that, they found that the kids congregated together in a much smaller area far away from the fence. It's because, the teachers concluded, they felt insecure without boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries make our kids feel secure. I grew up in New York. Thank you for not throwing anything. (laughs) And uh, there wasn't a lot of outside grassy area and stuff like that. But we would find things to do. One thing we called urban camping. Meaning we would spend the night on buildings. On top of buildings. Flat roofed buildings. That's what you do. So one night, myself and the kids on the block decided, let's do it. And every kid said, I have to check first with my dad. I got to ask to see if my dad will give me permission to stay out overnight. I was the only kid who didn't have to do that. Why? I had a dad, but my dad, though there, was not there. He was consumed with his own addiction and therefore... I couldn't fathom asking my dad uh, if I could have his permission to stay out. The roles got reversed. I became the dad. He, He was acting like the child. Now, all the other kids on the block thought, wow, Stuart's really got it together. This is so good. Wouldn't it be great to be able to come and go as you please? Do whatever you want. No dad to tell you no or yes or set bounds. And I faked it and acted like this was really great. But I realized when I could put words to it later on in life, it wasn't great at all. It indicated to me my father was distracted from loving me. He didn't care enough about me to set bounds. I really missed it. Folks, dads, if you want to bring your kids up, set and enforce bounds for them. God the Father is like this because he's so interested in the way we live He's given us boundaries in the form of commandments. You know them. We call them the Ten Commandments. I've rewritten them a little bit. I paraphrase them. Uh, See if they uh, are meaningful to you. Here they are. I'm your God. Don't worship other gods. I love you too much to share you. Here's another one. And by the way, as you show respect for me by not using my name in a common way, also show respect for your parents. Don't diminish the life of another. Practice sexual purity. Don't take what isn't yours. I'll give you what you need. Don't misrepresent things. Try to curtail your desires for things you know I don't want you to have. God didn't give us those commandments to cramp our style. He gave them to us to show us, I care how you live. Dad, let's do that uh, with our kids. Let's show them we care how they live. So therefore, let's set bounds and enforce them, you see, because kids unconsciously think, if my dad doesn't discipline me, 
He doesn't care about how I live. And if my dad doesn't care about how I live, why should I? You see it? Now, folks, the verse we've been looking at has just a few more words, and then it closes. It's Ephesians 6, 4. Once again, fathers, don't provoke your kids to anger. Instead, bring them up. How? In the discipline and instruction, this is important, of the Lord. Uh, uh, Dads, Christian dads, are in a kind of different category than all other dads. Though all dads are called upon to avoid provoking their kids to anger, though all dads are called upon to bring them up in loving, disciplined, and quality time together, yet Christian dads must specifically and particularly impart the instruction of the Lord. Why is that? Because dads, Christian dads, you're also a son of a heavenly dad. And that heavenly dad desires time with you. Therefore, talk to him, dads. That's called prayer. Listen to him, dads. That's called Bible reading and Bible study. And then when you and I, dads, hear from our heavenly dad, it's easy. That's what we share with those children entrusted to us as dads. Tell them what your heavenly father has told you. It's essential, you see, because here's a sad but true fact Uh, Every one of us in here has dads has failed in the role. Every one of us here has that in common, meaning we are not all our kids need. Our kids need, therefore, to be introduced to the only perfect dad who has never failed. Our father who art in heaven. Jesus said, approach him that way. He who is my father can be your father if you've come to him through me. Therefore, address him that way in light of the fatherhood of God. And be sure to do everything you could to introduce your kids to their perfect heavenly father as soon as you can because you're not their perfect dad. No dad is. And if your dads run into something that's even If your kids run into something even bigger than you, where are they going to go if you've persuaded them only to depend on you? You want them to go for outside help to their heavenly dad, Abba, Father, who delights in being a dad. A little boy expressed this whole theme well in a prayer. He said, dear God, take care of my daddy and mommy and my brother, and my sister, and my dog, and me. Oh, yeah, and God, please be sure to take care of yourself, because if anything happened to you, we'd all be in a big mess. Dad, that's what we want to teach our kids. We're not the ones to be looked at as we're perfect. We're the ones to direct them to the perfect one. Things can happen to us and our kids can still make a go of it if they're dependent on the one who will never leave us nor forsake us, who's overcome death and who delights in being a dad. No dad here is perfect. 
There is only one who is. Have you come to the perfect dad through Jesus, the son? Ah, That's the key. I don't know if this is a happy Father's Day for you. Make it a happy Father's Day for the Heavenly Father. He has a role in today as well. Make him happy. Come to him through Jesus the Son. Why through Jesus the Son? Why that narrow way? That the Father would have any means of access to him is something we ought to be jumping up and down about, not to criticize him because he has only one way. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth in the life. He said, nobody can come to the Father but by me. Please don't object to the fact that the way is narrow. Rejoice in the fact that God the Father made a way at all for one such as us, rebellious sons and daughters, to make our way back to him. Make it a happy Father's Day for the Father who sent his only begotten son so that you and I could have access to him. I love what someone said about the fatherhood of God. They said, God is the father who is always at home. Here's the question. Are you at home with the father? I hope so. I hope you're at home with the father through Jesus the son. In fact, I hope it so much, I'm going to pray it right now. Would you join me? Happy Father's Day, Heavenly Father. It isn't happy for many here today. Some are fathers who have lost children. Such pain. Some are here yearning to be fathers and have not yet been able to. Some are here today, first Father's Day, without their father. Some have had dads who've abused, neglected, or abandoned them. So I know it's not a happy Father's Day for many. But it could be. I pray, oh God, there be not one person who leaves here today without coming to you. Come to me. The grandest invitation of all time. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In spite of the woundedness and pain, which is part and parcel of life, some of it even at the hands of our earthly dads, I pray you, heavenly dad, would enter into the lives of each person here today in such fashion that you would grant them rest. Rest from the penalty of sin. Rest from the power of sin. Rest one day from the very literal presence of sin. Abba, Father. Papa, Daddy. Take us to be yours today. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.